Four flats the call from Quinn. He's not calling a timeout. He's letting the rookie go to work. Here comes Donovan. Down one in Toronto. Donovan, crossover, kicks, left side, three. Rubio for the lead. He got it. Ricky Rubio, three. Left side, Utah leads it. 95, 93, 4.8 seconds left. Stunned silence in Toronto. You are locked on jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 29th of January, the day after my anniversary. And I even remembered a big win in Toronto. The defense is back. The NBA is ravaged by injuries. We'll talk about it all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast about the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, a look behind the curtains, and some geeky numbers to back it all up. Today's show brought to you by the Advocates, as well as Intercap Lending. Thanks very much for tuning in. So it was my anniversary yesterday. We uh, did nothing. Uh, I actually just... I don't know why. All right, whatever, because I share. So I, my son was racing in Grand Targhee this weekend. So I went and uh, we landed at 2 a.m. on Friday night, and I drove to Pocatello, Idaho. So I went from the Four Seasons in Toronto to the Red Lion in Pocatello and slept two hours in Pocatello and then drove the rest of the way to Targhee. I actually got two great ski days because they have snow. Uh, my son, unfortunately, crashed, and then the race the second day was uh, canceled. So, uh, But I it was worth it. Got a bunch of time in the car with him, so it was totally worth it to go do it, but kind of wackiness, and so it meant I, I remembered our anniversary. I just didn't – we didn't do anything. Uh, I was laughing, though. Oh, I'm really on a tangent now. Uh, could you imagine if we did marriage like sports contracts? And so instead of like these BS Facebook posts, oh, you're the love of my life, like everybody on their anniversary, like probably two days after they had a massive fight um, all over Facebook. Could you imagine if we actually marriage, which it really to some extent is, we're all one-year contracts. But so you had to commit every anniversary to another 12 months. You couldn't leave anywhere in that 12 months. That would somehow be illegal, breaking your contract. And at the end of your 12, at your anniversary, you had to like commit to another 12 months. And you could then have a discussion and you could have a negotiation and I need a little more of this and you need a little more of that. And, and okay, like, and then you move forward. And then there's actually this like commitment again, rather than just this ongoing process. I don't know, since marriage generally seems to be broken, since less than 50% of them actually stay together in our country right now, um, I'm, I'm just going that something wacky. I don't know. I just thought about it yesterday. I was kind of laughing about it with my wife. Like, um, like we just, you know, rolled through the day like it was no big deal. And like, oh, happy anniversary. And we were kind of laughing at ourselves for doing nothing. And I was like, could you imagine if, like, you know, and then she she's an old sports broadcast. She's like, yeah, then you could have people who like either play it up in their free agent year, like the players who like Nicholas Batum will always have a really good free agent year, or you could have the players who like, you know, they they like they don't, you know, they they free agent year and they do the opposite, like not like oh, I'm sorry, I I you know, <laughs> anyway, I'll stop before I get myself in trouble. How about that win Friday night, Ricky Rubio for three to win it for the Jazz. It's pretty awesome. Uh, really fired up for Ricky. 
you can see how much his teammates like him and appreciate his efforts and his passion with the reaction that you got from them that night. Like, I really think that's part of the story, is when you see the guys react to Ricky, it's pretty awesome. This was an incredible defensive performance by the Jazz. They did not have a particularly good offensive game that night. Uh, In fact, the offensive performance that night was the 35th best. In, In fact, the... The whole off Rudy comes back and the offense struggles is real. In Atlanta, our offensive rating was a 91.5. In Detroit, it was an 89.9. And in Toronto, it was only a 97.7. Hundreds like the worst in the league. So the offense is really scuffling the last three games. And they've won two of the three. Which is exactly what we thought they were going to be. I kind of think you should just go back and listen to Friday's show. Friday's show is probably one of the more important shows I've done. But what happened in Detroit is the Jazz had the fifth-best defensive game they've had all year. And in Toronto, they had the 13th-best defensive game they've had all year. And that's, that's the essence of what happened. Then, when you start to look at it a little bit more, what you also begin to see is what they did with the three-point line and, they, and how they're... You know, the Jazz have been 29th or 30th in defending the three-point shot. And Rudy's presence just changes everything. Rubio had an unbelievably good defensive game on Lowry, I think largely because he knew that he had Gobert back there. And the Jazz play things differently with Gobert. They play him back in the pick and roll. And what and and look at the three point shooting in the last two games. Detroit goes seven of thirty one. Toronto goes seven of twenty seven. More importantly, the last three games, Atlanta got thirty one percent of their shots as threes. Detroit thirty two. Toronto twenty eight. Those are really low numbers. Jazz allow thirty three percent of opponent shots as threes, and they're one of the better teams in the league at denying it. If you keeping a team under thirty percent of their shots as threes, that's a big deal. Jazz against Sacramento, 29% of their shots is threes. Against the Knicks, 28%. Clippers bombed a bunch. Against Atlanta, 31%. Against the Pistons, 32%. Against Detroit, 28%. So you're seeing the Jazz, who've now won three of their last four, beginning to get back to all their defensive principles. And the last one is now fouling. Against... Atlanta, they got 12 free throws. Detroit got 18. Toronto only got 17. Those are some of the best numbers of the year for the Jazz and free throws allowed. So you begin to take away the three. You begin to take away the defense is rolling again. And that's exactly what happened. Toronto, DeRozan and Lowry go 9 of 36. Now, I know people, oh, well, the big guy had a... Right, the reason Valanciunas is having that game is because of what the Jazz are doing to Lowry and DeRozan. Gobert dropped down, but at times he actually bothered them. I mean, he bothered them. He took away their stuff. And so when you're – got to make sure you understand that, like, points are going to be scored. So on that night, yeah, sure, Valanciunas has a night. Some, you know, amateur is going to look at this and say, Valanciunas killed Gobert. No, no, no. Like, that was the trade-off. That's what the Jazz were doing defensively. They, the, the more impressive part to me was just kind of the fight and the perseverance 
that we've seen in both the Detroit game and the Toronto game, closing Detroit on a 10-1 run, closing Toronto on a 7-0 run, that's big-time stuff. That's not necessarily something that we've seen out of this team at all. And so to see them show that kind of perseverance, pretty exciting. Toronto's shot chart that game I thought was was pretty interesting as well. Is they just had a terrible, terrible mid-range day. And I think it's hard to sometimes tell, well, like, why would that be? And is that because of Gobert? I think it's just a sign that they were out of rhythm. This is the third or fourth best mid-range shooting team in the NBA. They are trying to stay away from it a little bit. But, sorry about that, if you could hear that. Uh, and it's going to happen again. Because in order for me to pull up the shot chart, I have to, NBA automatically plays video on me. Uh, but if you look at that game, they only hit two or three shots in the mid-range Rudy shuts down that spin on the-, the entire game. The, the Jazz took them out of their rhythm. They were 3 of 17 on mid-range shots, 6 of 15 on their floaters, and then 6 of 22 on their above-the-break three. To me, that's a little bit of make-or-miss league on the threes, but on the mid-range stuff, that's just a sign that you've got them, un- you've got them kind of unnerved. They're, they're not playing their regular game. And so, really impressive outing by the Jazz. Uh, we always like to look at some of those advanced stats and the player tracking stuff, so let's do that. Um, and, you know, again, I do think that there's an element uh, where this was a make-or-miss game, and let's see if those are actually true. The Jazz went 23 of 46 on uncontested looks, and they went 16 of 47, right? So Lowry's 0 of 6, DeRozan's 2 of 9, and Bach is 3 of 9 on uncontested looks. It's good. We got We need one. Donovan was 7-11 on uncontested. Ingles 4 of 6 and another big 3 late in the game. Huge game in Detroit where you hit the... The big one's very impressive uh, there. Hustle numbers I always love. Let's look at those. Uh, Seven screen assists from Gobert. So that's where he opens up the offense. So the offense is struggling right now. Uh, Three deflections for Ingles. Three deflections for Rubio. Two for Favors. One for Gobert. One for Mitchell. One for Joe Johnson. Loose ball recovered. Two for the Jazz. 19 shot, two-point shots contested by Rudy Gobert. 19. So, to some extent, when you have 19 shots contested, now the other shots, they're they're pulling back. They're not so certain how to play it. Uh, overall, just a great, great performance. We'll dig into that final play, some more defensive notes on it, uh, and that final play in, in a second. Today's show is brought to you by The Advocates. Matt over at The Advocates does has really built... I, I'm a lover of numbers. I'm a lover of efficiency. And while no question that each one of these cases is individual in what the experience is, what Matt has figured out in 25 years of helping people through being an injury attorney at the Utah Advocates is that all accidents are different and the process around all of them are the same. If you back up to the final step, less than 1% go to trial and only 3% have arbitration. So if that's the case, then the way they're all ending is similar, which is an agreement, and you're dealing with insurance companies and medical and this and that. So what Matt has done is he's built a 106-step process to make sure that you get good results, nothing bad happens to you, and that they treat you well. How does it work? You get a, 
you call the advocate, the Utah Advocates, at 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. Within 60 seconds, you get a call from an attorney, and then it goes into the process. And they have special teams experts along the way who work on each individual part of that 106-step process because they're going to make sure that the process has efficiency. That productivity means increased communication to you and a better result at the end. Call Utah Advocates, 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. The final play. Sorry, I need some water. The final play. Love it. Absolutely love it. Donovan Mitchell makes the right play. One of the storylines that's been going on all season long with this team has been the rise of this star kid. And while I think maybe from our standpoint as fans, we watch this and it's like obvious and he should just take over. There's a lot. that That's not the way the league works. That's not the way human dynamics work. <clears throat> There's a lot of guys in this who when you look at they have to they have to let Donovan do this. And and the awesome part about what happens here is what Donovan Mitchell does on that day is very much why his teammates have embraced him and why he has been allowed to take this rise. He takes the, it's a one-on-one setup. He takes the dribble to the right. So everyone else is flat. 3 flat. Rubio's lifted. Donovan hears Kyle, Dwayne Casey yelling at Kyle Lowry, come double, come double. Donovan crosses over to the right, comes back to his left, brings Lowry to him. There's no question what the right play to be made here is. The only other play that could possibly be made out of this, the way they were structured, was for Gobert to pick Ingles' man. And they weren't quite in position to do that. Gobert had actually come to lift, begun to lift to set a pick if Donovan needed it now that he was double teamed. Donovan throws the pass to Rubio. And with seven seconds left, Rubio buries the three. There's a bunch of things about this that are really cool. One, I'm not Donovan waits up at the top for a second, which wasn't isn't great in the sense that you're down and you need to get that shot off so if you have to play the foul game. Once he realizes what's going on, which he makes a hand movement, you'll see him kind of like, I'm good, and he explodes hard right, crosses back over. Lowry has now moved all the way over to the free throw line. Donovan takes one extra step to engage Lowry and then chests one of his bullet passes. He's He's throwing passes to guys in which when they take a shot, it's the fourth best rate of anyone in the NBA. what? Let me see if I can explain. It's a weird stat. The expected effective field goal percentage off sh- passes from Donovan Mitchell is the fourth best in the NBA because he's throwing you passes, getting you looks in perfect spots. And there it is. Lowry's dead. There's no one that can come help. Rubio's got all day. Lowry's flying back. Rubio takes a nice high-arching three and buries it. Just absolutely buries it, and the reaction from the Jazz bench is the best. But for Donovan to read that correctly and do what he did 
is the key to the whole deal there. And Dom had another incredible night. I mean, he did it again. He, I'm sitting next to the scouts for in Toronto, which I love, and they just can't believe it. I mean, he had 26 points, 9 of 20 shooting, got the three-pointer going, played 37 minutes again, plus 11. Neto was minus 7, stopped the presses. How will Neto had a minus plus minus day for the first time, like, in ever. And Joe Johnson had a positive. The heck's going on? Uh, every, everything was backwards for a day. But Donovan, this, this was a really, actually kind of look at the Jazz as they begin to figure out who they are again. Here's what I kind of like. Donovan, 20 shot attempts plus three trips to the line. Gobert, 13 shot attempts plus the five free throws. Rubio, 11. Favors, 9. Ingles, 7. Joe Johnson, 8. Like, that actually is the distribution you want. Rodney, obviously, still didn't play. Jazz, I believe, now, in the 13 games that Rodney Hood have, has missed are 8 and 5. Maybe 8 and 6 if he's missed 14. And they've won 7 of the 8 games against above 500 teams. Kind of crazy. Uh... We'll see how that, I mean, I don't know if that's sustainable, but they they beat OKC, lost to the Clippers, beat Denver, beat the Clippers, beat New Orleans, beat Washington, lost to OKC, lost to Houston, lost to Milwaukee, beat the Clippers, lost to the Hawks, beat the Pistons, who are below 500, and beat the Toronto Raptors. So if I've got that right, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins. One, two, three, four, five losses. Eight and five. The losses to Atlanta, Milwaukee, Houston, OKC, and the Clippers. Pretty good teams. We seemingly have only played good teams. Then played Atlanta and got hammered. Embarrassingly. Uh, kind of wackiness. Uh, that The Atlanta one's weird, right? If you Atlanta we just fell apart. Just completely collapsed. And the Nick loss is bad. Like, this is, you kind of look back, and now it's like, oh, gosh. Like, there it is. This is the run. We talked about this whole time. If you can get past January 15th, even though you're going to be on the road, they win in sack. They should have beat the Knicks. That was just a bad loss. I don't, you know, they lost by two. They missed a bunch of open shots late. They beat the Clippers, which was a pretty good win. A terrible loss to Atlanta, who's playing a little bit better, but you shouldn't get blown out by like that. Uh, and then they, great wins against Detroit and Toronto, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a sec. We've won four of six. Should have won probably six in a row. You know the Warriors are are loaded next, but this is the whole stretch of the season where we begin where we thought maybe you'll be able to make some inroads, have some of these things go positively. Uh, trade rumors are going bananas. I think we are close to the point now where nothing happens until next week. I I just. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. M- my feeling is that you have to, at this point, no one, unless someone gives an offer that's just so good, no deals are getting done. And so, like, let, let's take the most talked about deal, the Miritich deal. Chicago's asked for a first-round pick. 
unless the Jazz aren't giving the first-round pick. I don't think Detroit can give him a first-round pick either. Those are the two teams that have been named the most. So unless you can pull off another deal where you get a first-round pick and then you move the first-round pick to to Chicago for Miritich and you got to decide even if that's worth it, you're Chicago right now. If, if Let's say from the Jazz standpoint, if you're talking to Miritich, you're offering a contract in probably two seconds. Just makes sense. Okay, you want a first, we'll give you two seconds. They're like, no, we want a first. Okay, we're not moving our first. Now, conversation's dead. Like, no one's wavering on this thing right now. Not until you get to the fifth or the sixth, and suddenly they say, all right, we got to move Miritich. We don't have a first-round pick. Here's your two seconds. Or you come back and say, hey, can we play around protections? Utah might say, no, we don't want to play around protections because it prevents us from ever trading our pick in the future. So... A lot of different kind of there's, – there's almost no way for deals to get done. Like Dallas is asking for a first for Wesley Matthews. I don't think they're going to get it. Oklahoma City is pretty desperate to maybe make a deal there now with the injury. And and they're looking – unless you think somebody else is about to pull the trigger on your deal and you're going to up your ante, I, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. And – uh I think that's I think that's why this thing just stalls. So as much as there can be every rumor and all these other things going on right now, I don't see a lot of deals happen until Monday and Tuesday of next week. That's that's kind of where we stand. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. Intercap Lending is a long more standing mortgage company that is moved to Utah. But they're not serving only Utah. In fact, they're serving 44 states. I just closed our refinance with them and had a great experience. The joke we had the whole time was that Intercap Lending's goal is to make mortgage refinancing be as easy for you as if you're ordering a pizza. Doing it online, doing it, I took literally took pictures of most of my documents and then they got them. I could always check and see what was the latest thing going on with my loan on the app. While it was taking place. Steve Carter's the guy who helped me out. He was great. His number is 385-800-8528. You want to call him because they're going to give you your appraisal for free if you tell them you're a Locked On Jazz listener. So start the process by calling Steve. 385-800-8528. It's intercaplending.com. 385-800-8528. The other thing you can do, you can download the app in the App Store, Intercap Lending, and pre-qualify without talking to anyone. That's nice if you're in the real estate market. Also, they do some really neat things because of the fact that they are able to, with their structure, the way they're able to do things. So therefore, direct lender, that means they can help difficult loans get done. Low credit, self-employed, business assets, multiple properties, all the things that cause a hang-up when you're going through the process. Let them take a look at your loan and see what they can do. They are able to get loans through in a different manner because of their structure. 385 885-28. That's Steve Carter. 385-885-28. Intercap Lending. NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. The league was ravaged by injuries this weekend. For your NBA 5. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins out for the Pelicans. I don't know what they do. 
This one has so many ramifications. So let's let's start with just Jazz ramifications. Do the Pelicans fall out of the playoffs? Should the Jazz renew? Like we kind of dismiss playoff chances. So I'm going to use the way I'm going to look at this is 538. So if I go to 538 and look at their projections, I don't think they're great, but 538 can give me a little bit of an idea of where we think the standings are going to finish. So 538 has the Warriors 1, Rockets 2, Thunder finishing, or Th- Timberwolves finishing with the third best record in the West, Thunder and Spurs tying for 4-5. Then they have the Trailblazers at 44, at, or the Pelicans at 45 at 6. So let's take them out. The Blazers at 44 call them 6. And the Clippers and the Nuggets at 42. So Pelicans hit the skids. Don't make the playoffs. They go to 9. Jazz are sitting at 10. The Nuggets are still projected to be at 42. So are the Clippers. So the Jazz, to be able to be a playoff team because of the injury by to DeMarcus Cousins, would have to win 42 games. That would mean they would have to go 42 and 40. They have to go 21 and 12 the rest of the way. Still think that's pretty unlikely. Decent chance the trade deadline could seemingly make the Jazz a less good team. So I don't think, from a Jazz standpoint, on the NBA 5, that DeMarcus's injury changes a lot. I don't know that I think the Jazz can go 21-12 and 12 the rest of the way. But that would get you to 42 wins. That would put you in the ballpark. That would make things pretty interesting and exciting. The other one is... so. Now let's walk the Pelicans just quickly. So DeMarc is a free agent in the end of the season. I personally am not touching him. I would have been nervous about touching him before. Now with an Achilles, I'm not touching him at all. Big guys don't come back. I think this is an absolute parallel to Mehmet Okor tears his Achilles tendon in Denver. The Jazz are great that year. They're a 52-win team. They probably can push the Lakers for the win the West. They're great. They win the Denver series without Mehmet Okor. They get swept by the Lakers. Boozer leaves. We replace him with Al Jefferson. Memo never plays again. By midway through the next year, Darren Williams and Jerry are having their feud. Jerry's done. Darren's traded. Our franchise is totally different. Memo does not tear his Achilles. We win the Denver series. I think we push the Lakers, if not win that Lakers series. And when and then hold the team together. That, that that's a little bit of my guess. That we've pushed the Lakers far enough that we hold that team together. I see this as a, a total parallel. There's a legitimate argument that they need to trade Anthony Davis now. That's when they can get their most value for him. They're not gonna they're not gonna win a playoff series now, and frankly, they're not gonna win a playoff series next year either. They're just not. So, because DeMarcus Cousins is not going to be good next year. And if they sign him, holy smokes. The other one that was mammoth this weekend was the injury to Andre Robertson, 
Robertson, they're out for the year. Robertson's, I talked about this with the Locked On NBA edition with Ben Falk. Robertson's vital to them. The on-court, off-court numbers are incredible. I know he can't shoot the three. I understand it, 22%. He only takes two a game. It's not He's not, or one a game. It's not like he's deaf. He only takes like four shots a game. They got enough of their guys who can score on their own. They, they're not, he's not a problem. Russell's inefficiency is the problem. Andre Robertson, when they're when he's off the floor, the offense gets 1.5 points better. When he's off the floor, the defense gets 12 points per 100 possessions worse. He's their number one plus minus player. Partially, they have no replacement. But they also have no room, no money, no tax. That's going to be a brutal for them. And Mike Conley out for the year. So, injuries killed the NBA this weekend. Detroit on the verge of a major shakeup. I talked with uh, Matt Shook on that unlocked on NBA this week. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the league. What a wild weekend. Always is. And trade deadline week is upon us. This has been Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Warriors focus tomorrow. Jazz and the Warriors and the city uniforms on the brand new court. It's going to be awesome. Talk to you soon.